and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hey, Path 11 Podcast listeners, I was wondering if you have checked out our Patreon page yet. If not, you can go to path11podcast.com and click on the Patreon button. And for just a dollar, one dollar donation, you can have access to some private things that we are putting up on the Patreon page, like my MBT experience that I took in Tennessee with Tom Campbell. I did a an audio journal for about the four days explaining what had happened to me during my binaural beat session. It was amazing, impacted my life, changed my life, but we are only going to allow our Patreon supporters access to the four days of my journal entry. And it is a Food for Thought Friday, so that is where you can find it. You can donate just a dollar to listen to it. If you like the content that we have up on Patreon, you can continue to keep your subscription for $1 a month. Otherwise, you can cancel it at any time. So head on over to path11podcast.com and click on the button that says Patreon. I have a quick announcement before we get to our guest today on the Path 11 podcast, and I wanted to remind you that you can head on over to our website, path11productions.com, and you're going to see Afterlife Awareness Conference. I'd like you to click on that link, and I want you to know that we now have a membership to the directory of all the videos from this live stream event that we filmed back in November of 2018. There were some amazing speakers at this conference, which include William Buhlman from the Monroe Institute, Suzanne Northrup, and Thomas John, who were amazing psychic mediums. You get a chance to see them reading the audience and the people validating what they were saying. Another one of my favorites was Suzanne Geisman, who is also a medium and intuitive counselor and told a fantastic account and story of a soul that had passed away, but left all of these clues and came back to communicate with people. Um, Monica Williams Murphy, she is a doctor and and had a great presentation about conscious dying in the clinical setting. Terry Daniel and Linda Fitch also had amazing uh, workshops that they presented as well. So I'd like you guys to head on over path11productions.com and click on Afterlife Conference. Check out and see all the videos that we have available to you for this membership that we have going on. And now on to our show. We are going to be talking about an issue that might have touched many of your lives, many of our listeners' lives. I know that we are always trying to answer the questions, is there life after death? Um, Some of you may have had a family member in the past that may have committed suicide or have had a suicide attempt, or maybe you yourself have struggled with depression in your life. And we are going to talk a little bit, well, a lot about that today, which is a little off the beaten path, but somewhat connected to the material that we usually do. But I think it's a very important topic. And um, my guest today, uh, Cindy Goodman-Stolberg, is going to be joining us. And you may find that some of the reasons for depression might be related to our relationships. And that might be something that you've never really thought about before. But I wanted to kind of just let you know the seriousness 
of how it affects so many of us. Uh, depression affects so many of us on a yearly basis. So I did go um, to get the suicide statistics of 2017 for um, just just a reference. I haven't actually visited this website in a while. I used to teach suicide prevention at an Air Force base um, quite a few years ago. So I was up to date on it, but I hadn't looked at it in a while. And on average, there are about 129 suicides per day, and it's the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. So those are just some staggering numbers. And in Cindy Goodman's uh, book, Feeling Better, she does have a little bit of a checklist of 13 signs that you may be depressed. And if you've been experiencing a number of these symptoms on the list that I'm about to read for at least two weeks, and they've been affecting your relationships and your day-to-day functioning, you could be depressed. So I'm just going to read those off. And I want you to think about this maybe for yourself or some friends, family members, and coworkers. Uh, number one, you feel sad a lot of the time. Two, you just don't care about things anymore. You are overcome with feelings of guilt, feeling worthless, can't concentrate, have gained or lost weight without dieting, have trouble sleeping, or you sleep all the time. Your performance at work or school could be suffering. Making decisions seems harder than it used to. You may be experiencing physical symptoms that don't have a physical cause. You're avoiding seeing your friends, may have thoughts about hurting yourself, and just can't seem to see the positive side of anything. So I am going to bring on Cindy Goodman-Stolberg, who is a psychologist and has been counseling individuals, couples, groups, and families for more than 40 years. She is the co-author of Feeling Better and co-director of the Institute for Interpersonal Psychotherapy with Dr. Ronald J. Frey. And Cindy, welcome. Thank you very much, April. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to speak with you and to your listeners today. Thank you. Yes, thank you. So I know it's a little bit of a heavy topic, but the great thing that I loved about you, your book is that you made it feel um, very approachable and very easy and that there is a research proven formula to really lift people up and out of their depression. And it's using a fancy word called interpersonal <laughs> psychotherapy or IPT therapy. And, uh, you know, back in my training, we were taught the CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. And we're finding that the IPT therapy is something that everyone is moving more towards and has great um, research to back it. Absolutely. And why why I really believe in it, and I feel it's very valuable, and it is recommended highly by psychology and psychiatry guidelines with equal efficacy, effectiveness to CBT, is that when you have good, meaningful, constructive relationships, you're going to feel better. And if you're struggling with depression and you work on the the relationships that certainly can be impacting and triggering your mood difficulties, you're going to feel better more quickly. And so it's, it's really nice to know that it's treatable and that it's short term that you can work with, you know, on the issues, you know, one issue at a time, maybe for up to, you know, 12 weeks and you'll feel better and you'll know what you did to feel better so that you can keep using those strategies and those techniques. So I'm really, really happy to share this model called IPT. That's the easy way to do it with with listeners and with uh, anyone who wants to share that with their family and friends as well. 
Yeah. Now, I'd like you to begin by letting us know why are it's our relationships that hold the key. I mean, right in your inter- introduction, um, you talk about that the relationships hold the key to your unhappiness. It's not your inflexible thinking, negative self-talk, perfectionism, inability to bounce back, or wonky brain chemistry. Right. Yeah. I think it's, you know, we, we tend to overlook some things that may seem simple or common sense. I think the people who created this, Dr. Clerman and Wiseman, Myrna Wiseman used to say, say it was some kind and sometimes information your grandmother would have told you if you'd listened to your grandmother, you know, and it basically, you know, I think when you think about it, there are four, you know, pretty broad areas that relate to relationships. If you're having conflict with someone, if there's, you know, conflict, even if it's not that you're yelling at each other, uh, you know, constantly, but if there's slow simmering tension that, you know, it's hard to feel good when that's happening. And when you're, you know, dealing with those issues, if you've lost a loved one and you're dealing with an unresolved bereavement where it's been maybe a number of years and you're still feeling as badly as you felt when they first passed away or you're, you're transitioning in your life, even, even sometimes good things. So you have a new baby but, you know, you're now, you know, you and your partner are trying to figure out how we're going to manage. You're sleepless. You're tired. You don't see the same people anymore. You've been fired from a job. You're going through a divorce. All of these things, or you're also feeling lonely and isolated. So even if you're in a room with people, you don't feel connected. You don't know how to, you know, how to relate or to feel good with those people. All of these factors, which are very relationship-based, are going to, you know, you can think about it. How can you not feel in a bad mood or how can you not struggle when these things are happening in your life? Now, would you ever have people that might um, play devil's advocate and say, well, you know, I do have all of these great relationships in my life. I'm very happily married. Um, you know, my family, my siblings are I'm very close to them. I love my job and what I do, but I'm just depressed. And I think it has to do with my lineage. You know, my depression runs in the family. It must be my brain chemistry. I mean, you certainly people will can say that and you will. And then you'll have to say, well, let's look at it. Let's look together um, at what's happening and if it's occurring. You know, it's great because some people will say that to me even will say, you know, I woke up and I really felt terrible this morning and I have no idea why. And it's very interesting because if you actually examine, you know, say, well, what happened yesterday? Well, you know, I was struggling with a problem at work and then I had to deal with you know, a million things I had to do when I got home and everybody was bugging me. So sometimes people will say everything's great and they will say that, you know, I have great relationships and this and that because they don't necessarily want to acknowledge that there's some problem or some difficulty or they may never have experienced what it really means to have a meaningful relationship. So they may get along with with other people in their lives, but it's also hard to know how the other people are feeling in their lives. Do they come to them and talk to them? Do they want to spend time with them? So and we're not arguing the fact that there certainly are components. We don't know what the cause of depression is. There, you know, we we there's a lot of arguments about that, but most of the time when people are feeling depressed, it affects their functioning. Right. If you're kind of down and out, you you can get to work every day, and you're getting along with people, then I'd say fine, carry on. You know, but okay. if you're feeling depressed, really, you know, and and you'd have to evaluate what they mean by that too. 
Are they feeling, you know, really down and can't do things? Or are they just kind of, you know, they expect to get up every day and be excited or happy, which I don't know about you, but I'm not sure that's realistic, right? You know, right. everybody's not jumping out of bed going, whoopee, here we go again. You know? mm-hmm. so, so those are the things, I mean, and if people are doing okay and they're not, you know, they're not bothered by what they're dealing with, then, then carry on. But if, if someone says, feels they are depressed, I would spend some time examining things a little more closely. And as we're talking about, you know, relationships, uh, um, you know, in this correlation with depression, in some cases where I've, you know, delved deeper with my clients too, about what is it that is making them feel depressed? Sometimes it's their relationship with themselves or their, you know, inability to connect with their own purpose or, you know, not knowing what that is in life. And it mm-hmm. may not be the relationships with others, but specifically the relationship with themselves. And part partly the issue then becomes is how are they going to deal with that issue? And can they, you know, we certainly believe that connecting with other people to help solve those things is is vital and is quite crucial. So have you talked to anybody about how you're feeling that you're not sure what your purpose is or what you'd like to be doing? Have you asked, you know, or are you keeping that to yourself and not sharing it with other people, right? Have you ever talked to someone right. who has felt similarly and then you know that others have gone through this as well so you don't feel as alone or you don't feel as you know, uncertain about what's going on for you, right? You don't feel that you're the only one who's ever felt that way. How have other people managed to find that in their lives? Those people who have dealt with, you know, some difficulties or aren't sure what to do. How have they dealt with it? What can you benefit from them that always can then uh, you can use as a way to encourage yourself or find what you're looking for. So I think that to us, it's who in your life is very, very important, right? The, and how do you, how do you connect to those people when you're not sure or when you're struggling versus doing it yourself? Exactly. Now, in your book, instead of breaking it down by chapters, you broke it down into weeks. Yes, and, yes. And I like that because it, you know, it just, like I said, it, it seems doable. And when yes. you're reading something that you can complete something in eight to 12 weeks, it's like, okay, yeah, let me go through, you know, each of these. And I would like you to... Um, to go through, if, if you don't mind, kind of sure. what the process is with IPT therapy to give people a broad overview of the weeks that, you know, if they went out and they purchased your book and they wanted to try this out, what they could expect. Absolutely. I think it is a very kind of step-by-step approach so and very practical so that people know that they're going to, you know, when they read it, there are going to be things in here they can try that we have seen work. So at the beginning, we really want people to understand what depression or mood difficulties are, that it, it's, it's temporary, it's, it's a, it can be looked at as an illness just like breaking one's leg can. It's not about blaming yourself. It's not about feeling that you're not doing good enough or that you're lazy or you're bad. So we talk about we educate people and we want them to educate the people in their lives. And then we really look very carefully at an in an IPT way at your relationships. So you build your social circle. What do I like about people in my, you know, you take a person who you're dealing with, who you may be struggling with or you may not be. 
what do I like about that relationship? What don't I like about that relationship? What would I like to be different? So you really sit down and you draw your social circle and you take a look at the relationships you have and you identify if there's a relationship that that is contributing to your mood difficulty. And then like I you know, mentioned in terms of you pick a focal area, a common issue that's contributing to how you feel. Is it conflict? Is it bereavement? Is it transitions? Is it loneliness and isolation? And when you pick one of those areas, then you create a goal and you create one goal that's concrete that you can work towards in those weeks to solving, you know, to addressing, to making yourself feel better because with that. And then, you know, the next few weeks are really the different strategies that you use in order to uh, achieve that goal. You know, let's say, you know, and, and we try to help people make that concrete. So if you say, I want to be the best mother I can be, and I want to never yell at my kids again. That's kind of unrealistic, I think. I don't know about you, but, you know, if you want to say, I want to have a constructive conversation with my adolescents about how much screen time they're using, that's a constructive goal. That's something that you can achieve in eight weeks. And so as the chapters progress, we then walk you through the steps that it takes to accomplishing that goal in how to communicate more effectively, how to phrase the conversations. And we have in there a, a very helpful chapter, I think, that's a conversation starters, right? So you know how people sometimes will start a conversation by, you know, saying something maybe negative, you know, I hate it when you do that. That doesn't get you very far, right? But if you say, I'd like to sit down and talk with you about how much time the kids are on screens, that may work better than than a different approach. So we talk about expectations. We talk about looking at what you're doing and we talk about practicing. And then we really carry on to the point where people have achieved their goals and know what they did. So that's kind of the overview Great. of the 12 weeks. Now, I also know that you co-wrote the book, um, like I said in the introduction, mm -hmm. with Ronald Frey, and he has yes. the guy talk sidebars. Yes. Do you want to men mention why? <laughs> He's why great. That was Ron, great. My, Ron and I have been working together for 20 years, and we have a great relationship when we're teaching and training clinicians, learning IPT, and, and Ron is the guy perspective. So, you know, not to be, you know, too... Um, stereotypical, but he's terrific when he talks about what's like from a guy's perspective. And really, it's good in terms of guys reading it and being able to identify with, you know, how do guys talk to each other about their feelings? You know, and they, as he says, you know, guys don't really do that as easily as women do, right? And he also, it's good because then women can understand why guys respond the way they respond sometimes. Like I can talk to my friends for hours, uh, my girlfriends, and they're happy to hear repeated stories, but guys aren't as keen about that, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, Ron does a wonderful, wonderful job of, of kind of describing guy talk and what guy talk means and how guy talk guys deal with their feelings and their um and discussions about feelings and making changes and and the best ways to kind of deal with with some of the issues related to how men handle things 
Great. And, you know, I'm sure that we have some of our listeners who are in therapy themselves. And of course, I'm biased. I think everybody should be in therapy. (laughs) Um, You know, it's just it's good for the spiritual path, you know, just, you know, evolving yourself, trying to be a better person. Um, But can you explain what the difference is between, say, traditional talk therapy and IPT and why IPT, not saying that, you know, traditional talk therapy isn't effective or helpful, but, um, you know, it's some... Yeah, I think you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I don't think, I think, you know, different forms of therapy are useful. It's interesting. I think I used to feel the way you did, but I'm probably a little bit older. And it's like, okay, if people are open to wanting to sit down and look at things and talk to one another and and make some change in their life, then I think therapy is fantastic, right? Um, And I think being able, what IPT does is it really does try to be time limited. And that to me has been an important part of the therapy. It's like, if you wanna make a change, let's just not talk about it forever, about what you're feeling or what someone's doing or what you've done for the last 10 years. Let's just do, um, let's do something about it. And so I often ask clients, I'll say to them, you know, if they'll tell me, well, you know, this situation has been going on for a long time and it's really upsetting me. And I'll ask them how they're interacting or what they're doing. And I'll say, how's that working for you? Well, if it's not working for you, then you may want to try something different. So what IPT does is it becomes very structured step by step. As I'm saying, you know, you identify your social circle, you check the focal area you want to deal with, you create a goal, you work on it by looking at the different options you have, you talk to other people who have been through what you've been through. They may have some great ideas for you. You try it out. You see what works or what doesn't work. And so that that time frame and that structure, which is very collaborative, it's really up to I'm not going to be telling the person what to do. I'm going to offer them some ideas and some approaches that they may have not tried before. And then it's really up to them. It's like you give it a try. If you want to feel the same way that you're feeling and you're feeling crummy, well, you know, I'll be I'll feel badly that you're doing that. But if you want to try something different, give it a shot. You can always go back to your old ways. It's like learning to ride a bike, right? You know, initially, we're all a little nervous. And you know, it's funny, I was thinking about this example we use. And people tend when they learn to ride a bike, they're not by themselves. They usually have someone right standing behind them, holding them on their seat until they let go. Right. Right. So it's like you feel nervous and you feel concerned and maybe I'll fall. But you know what? When you learn how to how to ride, it feels pretty wonderful, doesn't it? You know what I mean? (laughs) To be able to take off and have that freedom and feel good about yourself. So that's another aspect of, of IPT. I really encourage people to focus on if they try something different, how does that make them feel? So if I speak up to my boss and I say, you know, I'm really struggling with the amount of work I have, can we talk about how we can deal with this? No matter what the boss says, pay attention to how it felt for you to speak up in an assertive, 
manner that made you feel and normally it really makes someone feel good that they're not just feeling crappy they're not feeling you know put upon they're not angry they're not you know they're not just resentful they felt good because they tried to make the situation better for themselves and that's a huge important step with IPT as well so it's it's different than talk therapy or CBT in that it's not you know, in CBT, there's thought records, you fill out homework and things. You don't really do homework in IPT, you do things in between weeks or chapters or sessions. But that's up to you how you decide to do it versus filling anything out. Now, do you believe that your book that somebody could pick it up and go through the 12 weeks without really needing to go to see a therapist and work with a therapist with this? I mean, is yeah, it? I think for sure they a- could. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think it's a, it's a very common sense. It's a very step-by-step approach. We really have tried to be as specific as possible and give people conversation starters. If you wanted to address a conflict with someone else, then we give you four or five ideas ideas of what you can say. And um, certainly there has been, I mean, we haven't necessarily researched our book yet because it's just come out, but there certainly has shown to be research that shows that, you know, self-help material can be very effective in helping people feel better. So, you know, it's great to read it if for some reason you're still feeling at the end of reading it that you want to work with a therapist, then there's no reason why you can't. You'll certainly have a lot of information and a lot of good tools to use as you're working with, you know, if you begin to work with a therapist, but there's no reason, you know, why you can't. And for some people, it's harder to access therapy. You know, there's not a, it's not as easy to find an IPT therapist or depending on where you live. I mean, uh, sometimes you can also access, I do some work online. So people who want to, let's say, connect with me and work with me, um, you know, in more of a Skype format or I have a secure encrypted system. If you can't find someone locally or close to where you are, but I, I really believe we wanted people to, to use the book so they could make changes for themselves. Right. And um, I was hoping that maybe we could go into week two, just a little more in depth Mm -hmm. um, to give people just really a taste of what they're going to be working on and having people who are listening to this podcast just to really begin to think about their social circle and identifying the relationships in their lives that are either helpful or hurtful. So um, that might be a, a great way to kind of get into how somebody would begin to work this process. Yes. And when you do that, um, the social circle, it's really a, a circle. So draw a bunch of concentric circles with you in the middle. Your name goes in the middle and then the circle around that and then the circle that goes outside of that. You can draw as many circles as you want. And it's very interesting even exercise to do to plot, you know, down who are the people in my life who are important to me and who am I close to? And uh, you jot the names down of those people and do I put them in the first circle or the second one or the furthest one out? And that's sometimes hard to do. There are no really right or wrong answers, but the exercise in itself gives you some awareness of what's going on and gives you a visual picture of what's uh, different or than you may think it is. So, uh, you know, I've done this certainly myself as well. And um, 
And it's not just about a family, but it can include friends. It can include colleagues. It can include people who you have been friends with and aren't anymore. People you may just know as an acquaintance and would like to maybe build more of a relationship with. It's important also to include any people who have died or passed away who were, you know, you were connected to because that's one of the focal areas that contribute sometimes to de- to depression is is a loved one who who's who's gone and even you may either have not let yourself experience the sadness that comes with the the loss of of that person or you may still be feeling as bad so when you put down the different people on your social circle one at a time you identify them and you you know you you write jot down you remind yourself or you can do it on the phone if you want or you can you know because we really don't have to write that much anymore do we we can record everything we do so you basically want to say you know when do i speak to them what do i talk to them about are do your relationships just talk about the weather and sports or do you actually talk about meaningful personal things some people don't right? Some people don't want to share that with someone else. They may feel they're burdening other people when they tell other people, you know, some of their problems, or they're maybe going to be judged or felt negatively. So you want to identify, am I, what am I talking or doing with these people? What do I like about the relationship? What don't I like about the relationship? What would I like to be different? Because it also asks the question, I think what's important is that IPT views doesn't view relationships as good or bad or black or white, that they're usually gray. And it's not about people being all good or all bad in the sense that some people may feel that one person should meet all of their needs all of the time, whenever they want them to meet them in exactly the way they want to. And I don't know what you think, but I don't think that's very realistic. Right. I'm, you know, I and so I think having realistic expectations and when you look at what you like in a relationship, you can then see what are the important things. Right. It was quite funny. I was talking to a group of women um, recently and they said, you know, I really liked my ex-partner and he and I had such phenomenal. We had such great interests and and we enjoyed the same things. But, you know, he cheated on me. So I kind of looked at her and I kind of said, well, you know, what's important to you? What's more important, having mutual interests or having a trustworthy partner, right? <laughs> you know, you, okay. you have to decide what are the things that are important to you. And when you begin to sit down and look at those relationships, then you get a much clearer picture about what's going on in your life and where would you like to spend some time working on? What would you like to change or improve? Now, for some people, unfortunately, that their circle will be pretty blank. And those are the people that are pretty lonely and pretty isolated and have never been able to establish good friendships or who never have been able to sustain those friendships. And then we're going to help those people change that so that they can have better connections. So I think you're right, that social circle, which we keep coming back to throughout the whole process is a really valuable tool, 
really valuable IPT tool. Yeah. Another thing that I'm thinking of just like with my own clinician hat are, um, cause I'm not trained in this therapy, but I really, after reading your book, I love it. Um, come, come to Toronto and get trained. Okay. <laughs> Toronto's close. Yeah. Um, but I also think about, you know, the person that is layered with different levels of trauma and grief. Like, let's say if, um, you know, I could think of one client that had both, both parents pass away. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say she is late forties and both parents had already passed away. Um, a divorce crippled her, a suicide attempt in the past related to the divorce. Um, then, with that became more physical ailments and is now addicted in some ways to physical pain pills for their back Mm -hmm. and is like constantly struggling now to find a job, you know, is very educated, holds a master's degree. Um, but you know, now with the pain pills and, uh, the physical pain in the back complicated with all of this grief and I almost feel like, like how does this, uh, ITP therapy, kind of begin to work within those layers. Cause I'm, I'm picturing this person drawing their social circle and just looking at all of these different relationships and how that kind of blends into all of these different things that happen. And it, it almost seems like this person may have to go through these eight to 12 weeks, like 10 times. <laughs> addressing- well, I think, I think number one, you're right. I think the hardest part with someone like that, who has certainly suffered a lot is, is figuring out what the other thing I think I didn't mention yet about IPT is what is happening here and now that is the most uh, stressful, the most significant, the most difficult, or on the other hand, we can look at what's happening in the here and now that might be the the easiest thing to tackle. So I would want to sit down with that particular person and I would want to know what happened today, what happened yesterday, what happened the day before that was something that that she wants to address and maybe experience differently, right? So when when someone's struggling, if you have PTSD or a chronic illness or whatever, I think it's really interesting because John Markowitz has written a great book on it's it's more for the clinicians, but IPT for PTSD without having to go to re-exposure, without having to be exposed to the previous um, uh, traumatic events. And it's wonderful because they're getting really good results. But it's based on what do we need to do now when she's feeling really awful, when she's in pain or having some difficulty? Is she still willing to connect with other people? And in what way is she connecting with them? What's she doing? What's she saying? What could she be doing differently in any way, shape or form? You know, even though she's in a difficult situation, is there something we can start with that will make her feel a little bit better? And usually it's with other people, right? It's not usually people don't love to just sit at home by themselves and watch TV. It doesn't necessarily make them feel, I mean, I like TV, trust me, but and there are times, right? But my life would be pretty bad if I didn't have the wonderful people in my life that I do. So with that woman, I would want to know, is there somebody, is there something? What does she want to do today or what happened this past week that was difficult. And I would try, you know, I don't know enough about it. Maybe you've worked with her and you can give me more information, but what can we do that we'll work on for those eight weeks? And what did you do to help yourself feel better? 
And then guess what? Sure, in the next eight weeks or the next thing that comes up, she's still going to use those same techniques. You know, if it was maybe being clearer about what she needed, if she needed some help with some groceries, right? But let's say she offered, you'd want to know if what kind of reciprocal things were going on. If her back was too bad for her to get out and do grocery shopping, maybe she would ask someone to do it, but maybe she's okay at home doing research on the computer and she knows her friend's trying to build a, a LinkedIn page. So why wouldn't she say to that friend, you know, if you don't mind picking up a few things for me, I'm really happy to help you work on your new Facebook page or your link your or I'd be happy to help you with your resume. Right. So 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 she may not have thought she may just be feeling so lousy and so awful that she can't see that she still has some value and some things that she can offer. And it's not just asking something, someone else to do something for her. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the way I would be building very, very, very small steps, which even though sometimes people feel, well, it's not enough. Guess what? That's a good place to start. Right. It's a really because good place to start. Because the past can almost seem too overwhelming. You know, it's almost sure. like, where do I start? To, so to even, you know, just break it down to the yeah. present moment of that week, I yep. think makes it that much more doable. And and the key, though, and, you know, I think that you reiterate it in your book, too, is that people also have to really be ready to make the change in their You're lives. Right. You are right. You know? yeah. yeah. That's why I say, you know, I'm not as sure that therapy is for everybody unless they want to try something new. Right. But, you know, I mean, and it's funny because look at whenever someone's ready to do that great so you know even ron will tell the story where someone comes for a while you know gets to session six or seven and says no i can't do it and then a year later she comes back and they start at week seven right they don't start at the beginning again she says you know what dr frey i'm ready so mm -hmm. it's funny though too i will ask people i think it's really interesting when people say well i think i'm not ready and i'll say to them what will you be saying or doing when you're ready. Mm -hmm. So I want to know the specifics about what you think being ready looks like, right? Because, right. you know, we're never, we're all, a lot of us are never ready, <laughs> but you know what? You might, and you have to sometimes push yourself, even though you don't feel like going out. Maybe you don't feel like being with people. You know, the fact that you did it, I'll say, well, look, it's up to you. Give it a try see what happens and, and, and then see if it works. So if you pushed yourself to do it and you ha had a good experience, then you're going to want to do it again. So that's right. what we call, we call this virtuous circle, which is like, or, you know, you have a good experience, you try it again. You have another experience, you try it again, right? So, you know, you reach out to others and even though sometimes you feel, oh, it's not going to work and it's going to be awful, that's part of the depression talking. Depression, one of the symptoms is negativity, is feeling irritable, is feeling negative. And so one of the ways you accomplish um, that changing is by changing the experience. And if you have a good experience, then why don't you want to go and try it again? Right? Right. Exactly. So let's give our listeners some resources about, you know, if we do have any therapists who are listening and they actually want to check this out or become certified, yes, um, you know, where they can that get is. that and where people can find the book. Um, so they can maybe do it themselves and not have to enter therapy at all, but just buy the book and yep, let it. For sure. I mean, for people to find us feeling better, the book, 
Com is really the easiest way to get to us and to remember. So if you remember wanting to feel better and you remember the book, check us out really feelingbetterthebook.com. You can order the book there. We, you can order it from Amazon. You can order it from um, Barnes and Noble. You can uh, even, I think it's on Walmart too. <laughs> but if you want to order an audio book, if you want to order it online, um, also look us up on Instagram, same thing, feeling better, the book or LinkedIn. And also there's a link uh, from feeling better, the book to our training website, our training website for clinicians who would like to have us come to them to do training or come to us. We have trainings usually in the spring and the fall interpersonalpsychotherapy.com. That's our training website, but everybody can find us if they check out feeling better, the book. Dot com And we'd be delighted. I'd love to hear from people. Please write in our forum and let us know what you need and want. Um, you know, if people are interested in some online therapy, I can certainly, you know, provide that. So we're very excited to share IPT, you know, with the world, because unfortunately, it's the I call it the best kept secret in psychology, right? So <laughs> right. But it's, it's not it's a proven method. <laughs> it's fantastic. Right. It's really a wonderful, wonderful model of therapy. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad that your book came across my desk. And uh, you were a great guest on the Path 11 podcast. I hope that this podcast will help our listeners or help people that are connected to our listeners. Um, and I just wish you a lot of luck with the book. I'm sure it's going to do great. I'm glad that it's out there and that we're giving it some exposure. Thank you very, very much. And, um, and a happy and a healthy new year to all your listeners and yourself. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Path 11 podcast today. I hope you all enjoyed this show. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon page, I'd like you to do so because we are going to start putting some content over there that is only for our Patreon subscribers. You can get content for as little as donating a dollar a month, and it could just be a one-time donation. We have other freebies over there that you can get depending upon how much you would like to donate. And again, it could be a one-time donation, or you can continue to keep your subscription on a monthly basis at that donation level, but I just put my MBT immersive experience, which was a four day, four day intensive meditation training in Tennessee with physicist Tom Campbell. I was listening to binaural beats, going to altered states of consciousness, having out of body experiences and life changing experiences that I was able to bring back uh, for myself, for my clients, for my friends that was just out of this world. So if you would like to listen to that, I'd like you to head on over to path11podcast.com. You're going to see an orange button that says Patreon. Become a Patreon today and you can have access to that podcast. And I would like to remind you to head on over to path11productions.com and check out the membership that we have for the Afterlife Awareness Conference. We have over 25 hours of footage with amazing speakers like William Buhlman, Thomas John, Terry Daniel, Suzanne Geisman, Suzanne Northrup, Linda Fitch, uh, Austin Wells, just a few people uh, to name off that were amazing. These workshops are just so valuable. So I think that you would really enjoy it. It's also a great thing to think about to maybe give the gift to somebody who is struggling with grief. If you are looking for resources, this is a great conference to send people to to check out. And thanks again for listening today. <music>